Today's scripture is from Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other children, because he was the son of his old age. And he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose above and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream, and he told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this that you have had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Good morning and happy Father's Day. As you may or may not have noticed, I'm not Arthur, I'm not Reed, nor am I Terry. I am not actually any of the individuals that report to the Staff Parish Relations Committee about an impactful sermon on Sunday mornings. Be warned. I am John Matthew Kilpatrick, a longtime member of this church, and I have the distinct privilege of delivering this Father's Day message. But first, I feel I must exercise my right as a father and tell some really bad jokes, otherwise known as dad jokes. With the help of BoardPanda.com, I give you Matt's top 10 greatest dad jokes of all times. Drum roll, please. Number 10. What is Forrest Gump's password? Well, it's one Forrest one, of course. (laughs) Number nine. What was Beethoven's favorite fruit? Well, it's a banana, a banana. Do you want to hear a joke about a piece of paper? Never mind, it's terrible. 
Number seven. Did you know that French fries were not actually cooked in France? True story. They were cooked in Greece. I know. Why did the Clydesdale give the pony a glass of water? Because he was a little horse. Number five. So I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon, and I'll let you know which comes first. <laughs> Number four. Why couldn't the bike stand up by itself? Well, it was too tired. Too tired. Number three. A slice of apple pie costs $2.50 in Jamaica and $3 in the Bahamas. Why am I telling you this? Because these are the real pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> it does not get any better than bad dad pirate jokes, which is why number two and number one are just that. What did the pirate say on his 80th birthday? I am 80. I'm, I'm 80. And the number one dad joke of all time, and perhaps my favorite pirate joke, is what's a pirate's favorite letter? You may think it's R, but maybe it'd be to C. <laughs> and that concludes the Father's Day top 10 dad jokes of all time, and perhaps my preaching career. <laughs> Now in today's scripture, Jacob's son Joseph really works himself into a pickle. It is one of those moments that is so very predictable from the outside looking in, but from the inside looking out, not so much. It's almost like a bad scary movie where everyone in the theater, even everyone in the movie, knows what's behind the corner, but the person just can't wait to look. You know, this story reminds me of a boy I once knew. This boy loved his family, and I mean loved his family. And I'm not talking about just his immediate family. I'm talking about aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. He loved them so much that when he moved to a newly developed neighborhood, he picked out each empty lot and designated it for each one of their extended family members. He even developed quite an argument to have them all move from all over the southeast and join him on this new street in Alabama. He loved them so much that at the age of five, he would memorize their long-distance phone numbers and make phone calls when his parents weren't watching just to tell them hi. Now, for those of you under the age of 25, a long-distance phone call is a call made in a different area code that actually used to cost about a dollar per minute. And these are 1900s pricing, mind you. <laughs> <clears throat> they would show up on the phone bill unannounced under the line item long distance phone calls this boy loved his family so much that every year when school pictures would come in he would pick out the best the biggest and send them directly to his family members proud to make their wall of fame but one day one Christmas trip when the boy was about 13 years old the plan was to travel to South Carolina from Alabama, spend a few days with the grandparents, and then travel to his aunt and uncle's house and spend some time with his cousins. 
It was quite a trip of him daydreaming of the red carpet being rolled out before him, of love and grandeur as he met his cousins with love. Unfortunately, that was not the case. He got nothing short of a cousin's cold shoulder. Now, a bit confused and even more a bit agitated at how quickly his siblings joined in the fun, he decided to make the best of it. He decided to think of all the super fun things to do at his grandparents' house and just invite his cousins and siblings to come along with him. So with his best salesman's pitch, he went to the gang and said, Who wants to play hide-and-seek? Nah, not with you. How, how about we all go down to the park? It'll be great. N not right now. We're busy. I got it. Are you guys up for a movie? Popcorn? Soda? Uh, not today. No thanks. No worries. There are plenty of adults for me to spend my time with. Besides, it was their loss. I, after all, am a blast to hang out with. Well, the days rolled on and the cold shoulders continued all the way to my cousin's house. It only took me three steps inside the house to get into the foyer and see right there in the middle of all the family pictures the source of this sour treatment. There in the middle of all the cousin's picture stood a high gloss, super shiny Olin Mill special 8x10 of my school picture. Surrounding it and completely dwarfing the other wallet-sized pictures on the wall were my four-by-sixes from the last five years. Welcome to the Matthew Shrine, my cousin screeched from the living room. Aha, I get it. You know, like Joseph, I failed to see how my good intentions would be experienced from another's point of view. It was quite the lesson in empathy. Henry David Thoreau said, Could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through the eyes of each other for only an instant? Leadership lessons can be tough. Life lessons can be tougher. God builds you and molds you through tough situations, and at times this can seem nearly impossible. Now, Joseph was around 30 years old before his life even remotely matched what he envisioned in that dream from God. This seems to be a biblical pattern. David was also 30 years old before he became the king of Israel, despite being anointed by Samuel at a very young age. Jesus was 30 years old when he began his ministry, despite his birth being celebrated, prophesied, and even proclaimed and foretold by Gabriel himself. You see, I love it when I see repetition in the Bible. When I see where God consistently molds, tempers, and prepares his people, his children. It gives me a peek, an insider's view of the personality of our Father. Perhaps this is why Paul writes in Hebrews 12, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we are in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was going. 
Sound familiar? Paul goes on in verse 6 from the message to say, My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It is the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. The trouble you are in is not punishment. It's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so that we may truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best for us. But God is doing what is best for us. Training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline is not much fun. It always feels like you are going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it is the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. So don't sit around on your hands, Paul goes on. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall. So no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Work at getting along with each other and with God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I am confident that I am not the only one here today who has seen this story play out in their own lives. And even though Joseph did not have the book of Hebrews to find comfort in, as he was sold into slavery, ultimately spending 13 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. He did maintain hope. Joseph kept hope alive because of a dream, because of a vision. You see, conviction can look an awful lot like condemnation without hope. Joseph's dream, this vision of purpose, had to act as anti-venom during the dark times of Joseph's life. Even after my lesson of empathy, as a young child, I cannot imagine walking a mile in Joseph's shoes. My family never sold me, although I can't confirm the thought never crossed their minds. I have not spent 13 years in prison for something I didn't do, but I have been in a tough spot where God was shaping my character and tempering my spirit, preparing me for a future he had for me. And I know that in those times, scriptures like Jeremiah 29.11 gave me hope. And that hope gave me power. As displayed by Joseph's life, by David's life, and even the life of Christ, the process documented by Paul is revealed. The way of the Father, by revealing purpose, then preparation, and finally presentation, all divinely 
wrapped in grace. In our scripture today, we see step one, revealing of purpose. It's the first step in this process. I believe God intentionally put that vision in Joseph's heart, not as a place to move from, not as a place to get him kicked out of his family, but as a source of hope. After all, where there is no vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. In this instance, I can see where this dream from the father gave Joseph something to press on towards, where it made sense of some of the madness, something to hold on to in the pit, something to breathe in in prison. Can you imagine going through all of that without it? Without hope. There is power in this four-letter word. There is strength to be found in holding on to it. So much so that we should not ever leave home without it. So step one today, right now. Find hope in God's purpose for you. I promise you have one. Your place in His story. Some days you may be the runner. Some days you may be the clearer of the path. But every day... You have a purpose. The challenge lies in filtering through all of the agendas that are tugging on your life to find God's. And there are others, including your own ego and ambition, including the agendas of those closest to you. In one of my last conversations with my father, we discussed at great length the challenge of having a father that only pushed and encouraged you in a direction of his choosing. We both agreed that that style of parenting could make life difficult for a child. Bruce Lee says that a good teacher protects his pupils from his own influence. A teacher is never a giver of truth. He is a guide, a pointer to the truth that each student must find for themselves. So in the discussion with my father, I gathered that the push and the encouragement are good things. It is the direction that a father must be careful of. What he is pointing his children towards. This can either support this divine process or rival it. Perhaps this is why God sent Joseph away after he was presented with the dreams in today's scripture. Perhaps God was protecting his, perfect, his purpose, his expectation for Joseph and what seemed like a life of stumbling, of struggling, of strengthening, was really a divinely crafted mission to fulfill a purpose, to make one unjustified move, one compassionate decision that ultimately preserved the tribes of Israel and therein the line of Christ. Joseph, like David, like Jesus, like Peter, Paul, Mary, that's my last bad joke. <laughs> These people from our history reveal to us this process. Purpose revealed. Preparation and presentation. This may not make sense in the moment, but it is completely God-designed and inspired. This is the Father's dream, our Father's dream for us, brought to fruition 
and completed by God the Father himself. What a beautiful and challenging process. And what a, diff, what a gift it is that as a father, as a son, as a brother, as a friend, I have a purpose in this process. You have a purpose in this process to clear the way, to push and encourage, to run, to work, to get along with God and with others. So to anyone that has pushed or encouraged someone to lean into this divine process, to anyone that has helped to uncover a calling, a purpose, a dream, to anyone that has offered a drink of living water to a long-distance runner, or simply pointed them back towards the goal after falling or finding themselves off the path. To anyone who has echoed the words of Mordecai to Esther, perhaps you were born for a time such as this. Esther 4.14 Happy Father's Day. These are the roles of a father. This is the dream of our Heavenly Father. May those with eyes to see, see, and with ears to hear, hear. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.